everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 20 of this experiment we are calling Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears. Uh, we always try to be worth your time, and I think we'll do it again this week. There's a lot going on uh, locally, nationally. We'll have questions about kids going back to school or not, uh, the difficulty of Super Bowl repeats, and whether the Chiefs had the perfect offseason. As always, some audio you won't get anywhere else. This time, uh, particularly as schools are coming to you know judgment time on whether to have students in class and athletes competing, I thought it'd be interesting to hear from some coaches and administrators from around the area about what they're feeling and seeing. But uh, I wanted to start with the biggest news here locally this week, which is that the Chiefs are one of the few, at least so far, few NFL teams that will allow fans in the stands. Uh, it's a big thing for a lot of reasons, including, you know, this is the defending Super Bowl champions. Arrowhead Stadium will host America's game on September 10th, uh, which is less than three weeks from now, by the way. You know, this show drops on a Friday. Uh, that is the day before the Chiefs will host 5,000 fans for a training camp practice. This is all happening as case numbers remain high locally, with the metro area missed on criteria set by public experts to the point that many schools can't open for students, even with a hybrid model. Kids who have shown to have very little vulnerability to the virus won't be able to go to kindergarten, right? But some, you know, 16,000 people will be able to go to a football game in person. Like with just about everything else these days, uh, this is an issue that people simply cannot wait to disagree on. Uh, you know, those of us who pay attention to the news and are on social media have been trained to, you know, sort of expect every opinion to be, this sucks, or, you know, this is great, and if you disagree, then you suck. I am beyond tired of that. You've probably gotten the hint if you've listened to this and listened to the show and, and read some of the stuff I've written. But, you know, the, that sort of just blind, intellectually lazy thinking, it, it, it blocks actual intelligent discussion, right? It keeps us from hearing each other. It is destructive. So if you want one of those takes, please. And I say this as someone who wants everybody to listen and read everything that I do. Uh, please go. Bye. Uh, you are holding the rest of us back. Um, look, I want to be doubly clear here. This is not me saying the Chiefs are making a mistake by allowing fans at games. You guys know me this whole time. I've been pleading with people to listen to the health experts. And if the Chiefs plan has been approved by the health experts, then, you know, let's go. Let's roll. You know, we all need to be careful, right? Uh, but we also need to live. And, you know, attending a football game in person, that's not essential business. Nobody's making that case. But, you know, America's appetite for essential only, that died a long time ago, right? Like around Memorial Day. You know, my issue here with the stuff this week is pretty simple. You know, allowing fans to gather in a stadium during a pandemic is, and I mean this literally, it's questionable, right? Uh, many teams, um, they have announced that they will not allow fans, at least in the beginning. And, you know, the Chiefs are among a few that have announced fans will be welcomed. You know, they'll have restrictions. Sporting Kansas City did the same a week or two ago. And they're going to have fans at a game on Tuesday, actually. Um, you know, but the Royals across the parking lot from the Chiefs in the same city and with the same health restrictions, and with a plan to host fans that John Sherman described for us last week on this show, they're playing to an empty stadium. So this is interesting, right? Like it's fair to question and to expect the people in charge to have the kinds of answers that will make sense. You know, answers about like why they can do something that other smart and motivated people have said they won't. It's fair to hear a plan that makes some sense. Instead, you know, Chiefs President Mark Donovan is saying like, quote, it only works if our fans are disciplined and follow the rules, end quote. Um, he knows just as well as you do, just as well as I do, just as well as anybody that's been at Arrowhead and other stadiums around the world, you know, 
fans are not exactly prioritizing stadium rules, you know, especially ones that are inconvenient. You know, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas, a huge Chiefs fan. Um, he used to like literally run to games and he says he won't go to games this fall. This one was a kicker for me. Kansas City Health Director Rex Archer, quote, I think it's worth a try, end quote. That's the city's health director. It's pretty wild. I mean, again, I'm not here arguing that the Chiefs are making a mistake. Um, again, you know my deal. I start with understanding that everybody's guessing, trying to do their best, and I'm going to listen to the health experts. But when you listen to those health experts, you want to hear more than like this verbal shoulder shrug. Like, you know, what do we have to lose? And, you know, again, there's a case to be made for allowing fans, right? Like a lot of you guys are going to get pissed off at me for saying that, but there's a case to be made for allowing fans. Like, um, you know, you can, if you want to make that case, you can stress that, you know, nobody wants to avoid an outbreak more than the Chiefs, right? An outbreak tied to a game would be an inexcusable, unforced error for a team that should be doing a Super Bowl victory lap. And if we got to that point, it would not matter whether that outbreak happened because the protocols weren't strong enough or because the protocols weren't followed. The Chiefs would have to own that. Um, you know, you can stress being outdoors, you can stress the prevalence of sanitizing stations. Um, and this might be the biggest thing. Uh, you could explain how the hell you expect to enforce distancing and masks, right? Like, you know, is that going to be done by cops, um, like Navy SEALs, like high school kids? Like, what's, how, how's that going to work? You know, you want to make this case. You can also stress that you understand why some might be skeptical, right? But that you've talked to the health experts and, you know, despite the trouble and the cost and the risk and the, I presume this is a minimal financial incentive for the chiefs, you know, why you think this is an important step. Um, you know, the idea that the virus is real, but that if everyone works together and takes reasonable precautions, we can get a little closer to normal life. You know, there, there's a case to be made and it can be an honest one. The case can account for the risk and acknowledge the hesitation, but you provide transparency of a strategy based on something other than hope. And, you know, the, the biggest miss here, at least from my perspective, is enforcement. That's the whole thing, because the protocols look great, really. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs are taking extra steps. They're doing a lot of great things here to protect against the spread as well as possible. Um, but there's just so little about enforcement or, you know, why they expect people to follow the rules other than, again, hope. And hope is not a strategy. So, you know, last time here, like I'm not making this argument against the Chiefs allowing fans. I'm happy for anyone who can watch their team in person. What I'm saying, like this is just an acknowledgement that if the Chiefs are going to do something that so many NFL teams aren't in city where the, cities where the spread isn't worse, I feel like they should present a better plan than just sort of hoping people will graciously follow these inconvenient guidelines as they're watching football and drinking beer and having fun. That's all. Just a plan, some transparency. Um, okay, a uh, quick break here, and then we will get back to answer some questions. If uh, you'd like to participate in next week's show, and I would love for you to do that, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone, call anytime, 816-234-4365. Okay, uh, quick break, and we will be back with those questions. Uh, fair warning, the first one is heavy. Hey, Sam. It's your buddy, Ryan Hall. 
Listen, man, normally I would try to leave you some sort of pithy, funny message for, uh, you know, Mellinger Minutes with your ears. Mellinger, right, actually? A hard G, I believe, as you would say. But listen, man, I wanted to ask you about you having kids that I think are at the very least nearing school age. Um, you know, as a, as a college student, uh, out here at the University of Central Missouri, it's been really strange to be one of, you know, 10,000 people invited back to campus with no testing protocols and, uh, really like no temperature checks, no nothing. And they didn't even actually like poll students or parents or anything. They just said, we're going to have in-person classes with masks and social distancing. But for kids that are younger, I think that there's just, man, there's so much nuance to it. You talk about the importance of socialization and everything. I don't want you to necessarily, like, air, you know, all of your uh, your own personal stuff. But I think it would be really interesting to hear just kind of like the thought process that you and your wife have gone through about what you think is safe. And, you know, you know are you talking to other families and stuff and trying to reach a consensus or if this is just a very personal decision for you guys. It's just a super scary time and I think that there are probably a lot of people that would love to hear from you on it. Thanks, man. My man, Ryan, uh, thanks for calling, man. Uh, it's good to hear your voice. I uh, hope things are great with you. And it's a hell of a question. Uh, my wife and I are like all parents, I suspect, in that this is most of what we've been thinking about lately. Um, our older son is a first grader. Uh, Shawnee Mission District, and I was really bummed to see that he'll have to start the school remotely. Um, you know, they sent these surveys to us over the summer about what we preferred, three options, um, all in class, all remote, uh, or a mix of the two. Um, you know, we read a lot, we thought a lot, we asked a lot of questions uh, to friends and others, and the consensus of that information seemed to be that kids 10 and under are at a very reduced risk, um, even as carriers, and it was also particularly important for kids that age to be in school. So um, I don't mind telling you, we voted all in class every time, um, but with the caveat in the comments uh, about wanting to know how the teachers felt. You know, I, I appreciate they wanted to hear from parents, uh, but in the end, to me, it doesn't really matter what I think if the teachers and staff are scared and don't want to do it. So, um, you know, there's no unanimous answer, right? Like Olathe is having grade school kids in class part-time. Blue Valley is doing its own study. KCK is all virtual. Same with Kansas City, Missouri. Um, they're all different. And, you know, I just think like the fact that smart, well-intentioned people can all look at the same information and come to such different conclusions just speaks to the uncertainty of this all. So I know I say this a lot, but there's just, there's no great answers. Um, you know, all that said, I'm a big, you know, listen to the experts guy. We've already talked about this. You know, that means I'm, I'm wearing a mask. I'm trying to be careful. And it means I listen, you know, when the Johnson County Health Department says elementary schools can open up, um, I'd love it if ours was open. Our four-year-old's preschool takes direction from the Shawnee Mission District, and they're delaying their opening. So, you know what? Like, we're going to put them in another school, um, one that will be open, at least in the beginning. And, you know, again, like, none of these decisions are easy, but my wife and I feel like this is best for our son and our family. Um, you know, he needs structure. He needs to be around other kids. He needs all those things that, that school provide. Um, I also understand we're lucky, right? Uh, not everyone has an alternative like that. 
Um, you know, we created, you know, sort of a mini pod with a few other families, you know, hired a tutor uh, to help the first grader and some friends with what they'd be learning in class. I understand not everyone has those options. Um, so again, lucky. Uh, but this is the stuff that's often on my mind when I talk about, you know, there's no great answers and everybody's guessing. It sucks, right? Um, we're used to feeling a bigger sense of certainty about whether we're doing the right things, you know? So it's, it's, it's a weird feeling, man. Um, you know, there's a there's a chance something we're doing right now could backfire. And it's a certainty um, that we wish that the options were different. Everybody wishes that. But, you know, I do think with what we know and what my wife and I have talked about, that we're doing what we believe is best for our family. Um, so, okay, man, uh, that was a lot. Let's, uh, let's talk about sports. Hey, Sam, Steve and Raleigh. Hey, your thoughts on the Chiefs' chances on a repeat? I know it's uh, the run it back everyone's talking about. The scenario, but I I wonder why it's so rare. Besides the turnover of coaches and players and injuries, 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 do you think teams just don't make enough adjustments? You know, every team is taking their best shot at them. Um, what do you think Andy's going to change on the offensive side and the defensive side to uh, to uh, you know improve his chances of a repeat? Thank you. Take care. So there are a thousand reasons that since the 2004 season, um, every Super Bowl champion has not repeated. You know, and the theories that make the most sense to me are that, you know, teams can lose an edge, opponents are shooting for them harder, uh, the luck required to win a championship is hard to replicate, and the other one, you know, NFL careers are so short, so it's hard to have a team that's good enough to win a Super Bowl without some important players who are about to drop off. And, you know, I have to tell you, you know, with this specific Chiefs team, I only see one of those as being a particular worry. You know, the edge thing, like, I mean, you know, sure, it could happen, right? Um, this is their co biggest collective challenge that they've had together. You know, the Super Bowl is different. It is legacy defining. And for football players who often fuel themselves with this sort of manufactured, like nobody believed in us thing, this can be, you know, sort of an undercut to that motivation. Uh, but, you know, look, the, the Chiefs' best player did not lose his edge after winning the MVP, right? Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and Tyreek Hill didn't lose their edges after signing big contracts. So, um, you know, this is a group that's been really, really consistent under Andy Reid. This is not a group that's shown in any tangible way a willingness to be satisfied. I also think, like, they understand that with this coach and this quarterback, this collection of stars that are almost all in their 20s, they have a really good chance to do something special. You know, it's like that, it's like that scene in the Facebook movie, right? Like, you know, winning a Super Bowl is cool, but you know what's really cool is winning a bunch of Super Bowls. So I think that they've got that in their heads. Okay, so about the opponents shooting harder for them. Again, yes, um, everybody gets up for the champions, right? But haven't the Chiefs been dealing with that, right? Especially the guys on offense. They were one of the marquee teams last year. Um, it's not like they snuck up on anybody to get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, the, okay, so the thing about careers being short, yes, it is hard to know when the cliff is coming, right? But I think about this all the time. Patrick Mahomes is 24. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones are 26. Frank Clark is 27. Tyron Matthew is 28. Travis Kelsey and Mitch Schwartz are the only stars in their 30s, and neither one of those guys is at a point where you'd expect the cliff to be even, you know, two or three years away. This group is really well positioned, you guys. So, okay, the, the one thing that I think could be a problem, uh, luck. And in a lot of ways, the Chiefs got really lucky last year. You know, the two best examples are Ryan Fitzpatrick beating the Patriots in Foxborough in Week 17, 
Um, you know, that gave the Chiefs a first round bye that they really, really needed. And um, and then the other thing is, you know, Patrick Mahomes missed all of two games with a dislocated knee. You know, I've heard people in that building talk, and whether they're exaggerated or not, they say it over and over that if that thing was a millimeter to either direction, that his season would have been ended. So, um, you know, there's other examples we could get into, but, you know, the, the you know other examples of where they got lucky, but the Chiefs just can't count on that repeating itself. You know, on the other hand, uh, it's also true that you believe in the metrics, you know, with things like interceptable passes and fumble recoveries and other numbers that are sort of like deep into the weeds. The Chiefs actually got unlucky in some ways on the field, right? So um, that would be a hell of a development, right? Like Patrick Mahomes finally getting a few breaks going his way. So anyway, um, the point I'm going to leave you here with on this is that I love the question because, and it's something we need to talk about every once in a while because, you know, here in Kansas City, it can be easy sometimes to just sort of assume it's going to happen again, right? Um, That the Chiefs will, you know, hashtag run it back. And, you know, I think we'd all be shocked if the bottom fell out. But I do think it's remember that, you know, Winning a Super Bowl is freaking hard. You have to be great. Uh, you have to do it in the right moments. And you still need some factors that are just outside of your control to go your way. So it's a hell of a thing to achieve. And I'm not sure when the last time a team was this well positioned to do it. Okay, one more question. This one again about the Chiefs. Hey, Sam. My name is Branson, and I'm calling from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I love your work. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, with the contract extensions for Chris Jones and Sammy Watkins, the mega extension for Patrick Mahomes, and now the extension for Travis Kelsey too, has this been the perfect offseason for the Chiefs? Is there anything that realistically they could have done any better? Thanks. Look, guys, um, I don't make a lot of rules here, um, but one is if you call from another continent, your question is going to be included. Um, you know, really, other than like Damian Williams and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and then even Lucas Niang opting out, I'm not sure what went wrong here, right? Um, they got better with the draft. Um, they added some depth. They covered some holes. They're a little bit light at corner, and Bashad Breland's suspension could hurt there. But I also think that Rashad Fenton has been better than some people think. Um, they've got depth at pass rusher, more depth than they finished last season with, notably. They have a more complete linebacking core now. And, you know, I think Tedrick Thompson, um, he could prove to be one of those like sort of sneaky moves that end up really mattering. And, you know, by the way, he's looked really good in practices so far. Then Kendall Fuller's smarts and versatility won't leave as big a hole. Um, The offense is going to score a ton of points, right? Um, You know, sort of barring a ton of injuries. But now I think we should also acknowledge something that people, you know, understandably don't want to talk about right now. Uh, some of those big contracts aren't going to work. Um, you know, other than Mahomes, there is some risk in all of them. You know, Travis Kelsey's extension, that pays him big money through an age when only Tony Gonzalez is the, the basically the only tight end to remain super productive. Um, Chris Jones has a history of injuries. Frank Clark has cap hits. Listen to this. Frank Clark has cap hits of 19 million, 25 million, 26 million, and 27 million in the next few seasons. Uh, you know, they could find some, you know, find themselves in some serious trouble. But those are problems for tomorrow, right? You know, like right now, I'm not sure what the convincing case would be that the Chiefs made any mistakes with those contracts. So, you know, other than the salary cap um, not going down next year, you know, football-wise, I'm not sure what the Chiefs would change about this offseason. And it just, it doesn't always work like this, you know? Um, guys get Super Bowl bumps in contracts, and, and all those guys stayed with the Chiefs. So, um it's a hell of a thing. I don't know if it's perfect. I don't know if anything's ever perfect in football, 
But I think the Chiefs got as close to perfect as, as anybody could expect. Okay, one more quick break, and then we're back with some high school coaches and administrators talking about what will be lost if there's no football this fall. Okay, so there's a lot going on with high school sports right now, uh, most of it chaotic. And with Shawnee Mission joining Casey Kane, some other districts and postponing fall sports this week, um, there are strong opinions about this on all sides. And I do believe for the most part, these opinions are held by well-intentioned people. If someone is arguing for kids having positive experiences, uh, for competing in something they spent so much time working on, something positive, who can look at that person in the eye and tell them they have no point, right? Um, on the other side, if someone is arguing that putting kids unnecessarily close together, particularly with contact sports, in high school environments that no matter the intentions and protocols lack testing and tracers and other technology, that at least give pro sports a chance, well, who's going to look at that person in the eye and tell them there's no enhanced risk of spread? Um, I wrote about this extens extensively last week, and hopefully by now you've read the column, but the news picking up, the game's getting closer. A lot of teams on the Missouri side are scheduled to open next weekend. Um, I just thought it would be interesting for you guys to hear some of what I heard. Uh, I'm not going to include everything, uh, just some more of the inter interesting bits. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think. First, here's Kelly Donahoe, the Rockhurst coach, uh, with the first thing he said to me when I asked the question. Well, Sam, I just, I'm, I'm getting really frustrated with the amount of people that think sports shouldn't happen, and I'm sitting there wanting to ask them, what do you think all these high school-age kids and college-age kids that you take their sports away from them are going to then do? They are going to, one, be devastated, and, and there's a big part of that about mental wellness that I think is overlooked. Donahoe talked a lot about the precautions they're taking there. Uh, kids are distanced, uh, except in the huddle and during plays. They've got dots painted or taped on the field. Uh, players can't share water. They have their temperatures taken, lots of sanitizing. So uh, they're doing a lot, right? But, of course, you can't eliminate the risk. And, you know, Kelly has a particular risk. He's a cancer survivor. I asked him about that, too. Well, and I appreciate that. No, Sam, I don't mind talking. I've talked to my cancer doctor twice about it, and he feels like I'm at a place where I'm very strong right now, and I'm, uh -huh. I'm, I'm fine. But, but you know, I think we all, as we go over, I, I've got a coach on my staff that a couple coaches that are older coaches on my staff that, that we just want to make sure we take the precautions because you do think about that. You know, obviously, uh, you have to, um, and I get that part of it. Um, but also those coaches know that they don't have to do that if they if they're concerned, you know, and again, that's something that we would understand 100 percent if they don't want to be part of it. I also called Josh Hood. Uh, he's the coach at Park Hill. I didn't quote him in the column, but he might have said the most interesting thing I heard. Um, here it is. Uh, I just thought it really put into perspective what everyone is dealing with here. I always tell everybody we, we always say during the summertime, you know, well, that practice today beat Lisa West or whoever our first week opponent is. And then. This year, we're all saying, well, I think we beat the coronavirus this week, you know. <laughs> so just, just as far as like every day, um, you know, we're not spending as much time trying to uh, prepare ourselves to win a whole lot of games right now, much less we're just trying to get get some yeah. work in and give the kids a place to, to hang out and get some energy out. And <laughs> he also made a point that resonated with me, um, particularly with the news you may have seen about a wrestling tournament that's got a few thousand kids from all over the region coming to Hy-Vee Arena. Honestly, like I'm not sure you could create a better environment for the virus to spread. But anyway, 
To be clear, Josh was not talking about that event in particular, but what he said here fits. Most careful place the kids can be is school right now. There's uh, the stuff that, because, you know, what, what we're finding is anybody, you know, there's there's exposures. Here's what, you know, the AAU basketball tournaments are creating massive exposures. And there's people not social distance, not wearing. They don't, they do not have the same stipulations school has. They don't have the same scrutiny and stipulations. And, and they're kind of, been, they, they're in it more, you know, these places like that are in it more for, uh, you know, making money where we're not making money out here, you know. So they're... Their concern is um, we need to uh, we, we got to do that you know we got to have a tournament this weekend it's, it's hugely important um, we got to make money off it you know and 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 what happens after that the aftermath of a kid testing positive or anything and the exposure that that may create isn't probably something they have to deal with because that would be whoever has you know who would have to deal with that would be the high school coaches when they can uh-huh. show back up at high school on Monday you know and yeah. so what I'm finding is you know a lot of those weekend terms things and I know people are, are you know trying to do what they can but those are um those are not being policed as well as our schools are uh there's some truth in there right uh, like and I know I said this before um but I can be frustrated that my first grader school is beginning remotely but you know what I can't do is have any reason to believe that the people in charge are making that decision based on profit doesn't mean I have to agree with the decision but it doesn't mean I'm going to respect it Dan Clemens made a similar point in a different way. Uh, he's the superintendent of the North Kansas City Schools and the president of the board of directors of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Yeah, and Sam, don't quote this wrong, but there's a little bit of me, and I think you'll you'll understand this this comment. If we don't give kids a place to to participate, they're going to find ways to participate on their own. Um, yeah. They'll they'll find an empty field, they'll find an empty basketball court, they'll find somewhere to go do this. And at least when we're doing it in a school activity, we can ensure that those precautions are being followed. Yeah. And so that's the rock and the hard spot for me is, is that knowing that our kids are going to do this anyway, are we better off doing it in a controlled environment? It's an interesting point and one that really underlines something that I try to keep in mind, but, you know, I see it lost in a lot of places. And that is, you know, the standard isn't whether an activity has risk. Uh, we're well past that point. You know, it's it's not about whether the NFL or Major League Baseball or any other business, forget a sport, but any other business can eliminate risk. It's about whether they have measures in place, including people following protocols to prevent extra spread. You know, sort of, in, in other words, think about it like this. Um, will there be spread from high schools this fall? Yes, <laughs> almost certainly. It is hard to imagine how there wouldn't be. But the other side of that, would there be spread among those same students without sports? And, you know, from whatever they did to fill in that time uh, with less incentive or structure to stay safe, I think the answer is yes, almost certainly. You know, it's hard to imagine how there wouldn't be. Now, the money question, right? Which of those options is worse? And I have no freaking idea. And I'm not sure how anyone would. And that's the hell of this thing, man. That is the thing that we keep running into. And without clear answers, it seems like there's a lot of people that want to force clear answers. And I just, um, I hope we can think about this thing a little bit more collectively and, and from all sides. There's a lot of important discussion to be had there in the middle. So. Anyway, guys, um, that's the show for this week. Thanks again to uh, Randy Mason and Savannah Smith for putting it together. Thanks to everyone who called in and to the coaches and administrators who shared that perspective. And especially big thanks to you for listening. I hope we're worth it. And we'll try to do it again next week. Be safe. Be kind.